0: From August 14th through the 18th, the world's religions will gather to celebrate the 30-year anniversary of the Parliament of World Religions' signature document. It's called the Global Ethic or a Global Belief System. Well, would the Old Testament prophets or the New Testament apostles support such a document? I don't think so. And we'll discuss this event from a prophetic perspective, on today's edition of The End Time Show. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. You know... Prophecies foretell a world religious system that's going to be established just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And my question to you is, are you or your church or your religious affiliation getting caught up in that? There are many religious entities, even here in the United States, evangelical ministries that are getting caught up in this world religious uh, interfaithism ecumenism and it's something that you're not going to want to be a part of in the end time now my question to you is because it's false doctrine let's just call it what it is and what does God think about false doctrine you remember The story of Elijah up on Mount Carmel. I just stood there the other day. I was up on Mount Carmel where Elijah and the prophets of Baal went at it. You remember the story? Well, Ahab was king of Israel. And back then, and he had a wife by the name of Jezebel. Many of you would recognize her. Well, they were both ungodly. But Jezebel was the stronger of the two, and she drove Ahab to do things that he should not have done. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but to make it short, because of this, God said to Elijah the prophet, declare that it will not rain for the next three years in Israel. Well, then he hid himself and ran away, right? (laughs) Well, he actually was taken care of by a widow. Well, widow many of you know the story. That, that uh, You all know how the meal did not stop in the barrel. The oil did not stop in the cruise. All that time that he was with her during the time of the famine. Well, there comes a time when the Lord spoke to Elijah and he said, it's time to you, for you to go show yourself to Ahab. The three years was up. Israel was absolutely suffering under No rain and dew for three years. Can you imagine that here in Texas? Well, anyway, that's what happened. Elijah then went to show himself to Ahab, and Ahab, when he met Elijah, he said, Are you the one that's troubling Israel? And Elijah said, No, you're the one that's actually troubling Israel. Read the story. It's because of you and your ungodliness and your wickedness that all of this has happened. And then he said, if you want the drought to be lifted, now this is how they dealt with the, um, this is how Elijah dealt with false uh, religion back in that day. He said, if you want this drought to be lifted, I want you to gather together the 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the groves, and I want you to meet me up on Mount Carmel. I stood there the other day. So, they did come together. He he issued them a challenge. And, And, All of Israel had gathered together to see what was going to happen. Well, the word went out and everybody came. And he said to the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove, All right, here's what we're going to do. You take an oxen and I'll take an oxen. You build an altar and I'm going to build an altar. And the God that answers by fire from heaven, then all of Israel will know that he is the true God. So, he said to the prophets of Baal, You are many... I am one, you guys go first. So they did. They set out their sacrifice, they prayed all day long, and about noontime, Elijah began to mock them. He said, look, maybe your God's on vacation, because nothing was happening. Maybe he's taking a nap. Well, this stirred them up all the more, and they got up on the altar, and they danced, and they started to cut themselves, and uh, you know, they're trying to get an answer from their God, but of course there was no answer because they served false gods. Well, finally, about evening time, Elijah said, Okay, you've had enough time. It's my turn. So, he then took the sacrifice, his sacrifice, put it on the altar. He put wood under the sacrifice and he told the people. Now, remember, they had been in three years of famine. But he told the people to bring 12 barrels of water and he doused the sacrifice with it he said Pour it on that sacrifice because he didn't want anyone claiming that this was some kind of a fluke and he knew that God didn't need any help well in this would be what first 1 Kings 1837 Elijah begins to pray he says hear me O Lord hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God there's only one folks and that thou hast turned back their heart again. Well, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust. It licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Here's what you do. You take those prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and he slew every one of them. Now, you may not want Elijah to be your pastor, right? (laughs) Because Elijah didn't mess around. But Elijah got rid of all the false doctrine and all of the false prophets and he wanted Israel to know there is no Baal, there is no God of the groves but the Lord, He is God and that was all turned around because there was one true prophet in Israel at the time and he wouldn't put up with any false doctrine right because he knew that these false doctrines were getting these people to think that they had that there was another deity and that they could possibly be saved but yet they weren't it was total deception and he just he he just said I'm done and he killed them all now I'm not saying let's kill everybody that's in false doctrine today however is something that we need to talk about because the Bible is very clear that there's going to be a religious entity in the end time, a world religious system, that's going to be causing people to think they're saved when they're not. And there's going to come a time when God is going to judge that entity. Go look, at, look at it over and over. The mystery Babylon, God judges her. Read Revelation chapter 17 and 18. And it's of utmost importance that we talk about this today. Because this is being celebrated in our world today. Interfaithism, ecumenism. And it's something you and I cannot be a part of in the end time. And we need to know about it. So we're going to talk about it in the remainder part of the program. Because I want you to know what's really going on in the world. This global ethic. What is that? Well, we'll talk about this global ethic, this global belief system after the break. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is.
1: End time is not going anywhere.
0: Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intimecom slash future or call 800 endtime. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Well, welcome back, everybody. And most of you have heard about our tour to Israel. It was a fabulous tour. We baptized 52 people. We had wonderful moves of God. We saw all of the major sites, the Temple Mount, the Mount of Olives, the Kidron Valley in between where the Battle of the Armageddon will culminate, the Plain of Megiddo, the Upper Room, the the Sea of Galilee. We took a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. We went to um, Capernaum. The Sermon on the Mount at the Mount of the Beatitudes, we did all of it. We went up and seen the Lebanese border, the Syrian border, the UN Overlook, the Golan Heights. I mean, we were all over Israel. Very safe, awesome trip. People had a wonderful time. We've had rave reviews. I taught in the college one night. We had an open line, uh, open discussion uh, Q&A in the college. We do that every time. And I just got back. I'm just getting my sleep turned around from that trip. And my wife tells me, hey, guess what? We need to start getting people signed up. Uh, We need to actually fill the spots for the October tour. And I said, Jan, I'm just getting my sleep turned around from this tour. And she says, "Uh, irrelevant. She said, I've got a ticket in August. Now, we've already got a bunch of people already signed up for October. The dates are October 4th through the 15th. We've got a bunch of people signed up already, but she's got a ticket in August. So if you're wanting to go with us in October, we've got a lot of interest right now uh, because a lot of people are wanting to go back, and everything is starting to get booked up over there. But we've got, um, we've got access to awesome hotels, a nice flights on El Al, and uh, we're going to be leaving from Newark. Uh, and so looking forward to this next trip. It's October 4th through the 15th. If you'd like to go with us. Contact my wife, Jana Robbins, at 1-800-363-8463 or Brittany Motes. And they can get you signed up. And she's got a ticket in August. So got a couple, two or three months here. But uh, it's going to, it'll come up really quick, believe me. It, it does every single time. And um, so make sure you get it in because we only take a 80 to 100. We took 83 people this last time. And it was an awesome tour. So looking forward to the one coming up here in October 4th through the 15th. Now, back to our uh, lesson here. You saw how Elijah took care of the false prophets in his day, right? The false religion. He said, hey, I'm going well, to show you who God is and then I'm going to take care of these false prophets. Well, that was pretty radical. And, you know, we're, we would not really condone going out and killing all the false prophets today. However, God does not smile on false prophets. You say, well, Dave, that was back in the Old Testament. And those guys were pretty harsh back then, you know. What about the New Testament? What about the apostles? Well, in Galatians 1, 6-9, you say, well, the, the, the apostles, they probably would have been a little more lenient on the false religious system, right? Well, Galatians 1, 6-9, the Bible says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have received... Let him be accursed. Now, this is New Testament. It's not Old Testament. They're saying, uh, even if an angel comes preaching unto you, let him be accursed. They, God, nor the apostles, nor the Old Testament prophets, they didn't put up with false prophets, false doctrine. Because they knew that the doctrine is necessary for salvation. You say, whoa, 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 where, where's that found? Okay. First Timothy 4.16. The Bible says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear ye. Now, you know, folks, there is a move in the earth to sweep the doctrines under the rug. Let's just let God sort all that out sometime in the future, maybe after the rapture, after the second coming, somehow beyond the the um, great white throne. Let's let God sort all them doctrines out later on. Let's just sweep them under the rug, and let's just all love each other and get along and create this world religion, interfaithism, ecumenism, and let's just all get along. Let's just let's, let's kind of sink our narrow differences, and let's just all get along, right? No, 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 no. The Bible says hold to those doctrines and teach them, because in doing so, You'll save yourself and them that hear you. You say, well, what doctrines are you talking about, Dave? Well, remember in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 2. That you remember the doctrines. God is one and is a spirit. You know what? Let me read that to you real quick. I want to make sure that you get it here. If you look in Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, of the res- resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So now, you say, there are some solid doctrines there. Absolutely. God is one. These are the foundational doctrines of the Bible. Now, there may be more, but I wanted to give you just the top ones. God is one, and He is an invisible spirit. The Bible says God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So there's only one God. Deuteronomy 6, 4. O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. That's it. So, now, if you were to enter into covenant with somebody who believes in thousands of gods, it doesn't work. It never will work. Right? How do you do that? Well, you've got to brush so much of uh, the doctrinal beliefs of the Bible, you'd have to sweep them under the rug to be able to start saying, well, let's just all get along, sink our narrow differences for the cause of the world community. Say, is that what they're really trying to do? I'm going to prove that to you in just a moment. So, these foundational belief systems, these foundational doctrines that the apostles said, don't move off of these, That God is one, and He is an invisible spirit. Number two, the deity of Jesus Christ. Many religions do not believe Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, or that He died on the cross. And then, of course, the name of Jesus. The Bible says, "...neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved." The name of Jesus, all power in heaven and earth, is given unto that name." All you do in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus Christ. It didn't give another name, not in my Bible. Then, of course, salvation, obeying the gospel. I'm talking about foundational doctrines, people. Repentance, baptism, receiving the Holy Spirit, miracles and gifts of the Spirit, laying on of hands, holiness and Christian living, the resurrection. Judgment and eternity. Now, these are foundational doctrines. You move off of them and you're going to be stuck. And that's just to name a few. But these are foundational truths in the Bible. And oh, what a book this is. Now, the reason I wanted to talk to this about this today is because I am in local, national, and world news pretty much all day long, every day. O- occasionally on a Saturday, I will do something with my granddaughters. And, and, but on Sunday, I, we go to church, and then I get back on my computer, and I'm in the news, folks. So, I'm reading about all of these huge interfaith gatherings around the world, And I want to ask you, how do you think the prophet Elijah would fit into today's interfaith movement? I mean, just ask yourself that question. (laughs) I mean, he probably wouldn't fit in too good, would he? I mean, he was just a, you know, he was a firebrand. And he said, no, 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 no. Not going to put up with that stuff. We're going to teach the truth and that's it. We're going to know who God is. God will reveal himself. You put your sacrifice up there, and I'll put mine. And the the sacrifice that's consumed by God, that's the God. That's the only one true God. And then he had Him come out and dump barrels and barrels and barrels and barrels of water on his sacrifice, and God still come down and consume the whole thing. So we know who the one true God is, and we're going to serve him. Irregardless, it, 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 everybody, of what the majority's doing, you can be in the minority, but as long as you're right, that's good. And I, I, I hope that we have millions and millions of people say before this is over with. That's my goal. But I'm going to serve God, and I'm going to stick with the truth, regardless. Now, August 14th through the 18th the Parliament of World's Religions will be held. I believe it's in Chicago this year. 10,000 plus participants from more than 200 diverse religious and spiritual traditions and more than 80 nations are expected to answer the call to conscience at the world's largest and most diverse interfaith gathering. Over 200 religions and they say religions, and spiritual traditions. Because they invite Wiccans, which are witches. All kind, It doesn't matter really what you believe, come one, come all. And as the world's largest, most diverse, and inclusive interfaith event, this 2023 Parliament Covening will truly be a landmark year of celebration. Not only does it mark the 130th anniversary of the 1893 World's Parliament of Religions that cemented the, the city of Chicago as the birthplace of the modern interfaith movement. But it also commemorates 30 years since the Parliament's signature document. Now, I took I, I, this is off their website. 30 years since the Parliament's signature document. It tells you what their overall goal is. And it, the signature document is called the Global Ethic. It was endorsed at the 1993 Parliament of World's Religions in Chicago. And at the 2023 Parliament convening, leaders from all over the world will be called to celebrate the community's commitment to the directives of this global ethic and envision the future of this critical document. So, there's so much importance that's being put on this global ethic. Now... What is the declaration of this global ethic? Well, I, I read the entire, th- I read went through the whole thing today, but I wanted to bring out a, a, a few excerpts from this because most people don't even have a clue this stuff's going on. They're just living their lives and, you know, uh, people just, you know, you say, Dave, why are you so worried about it? Because there are major Christian, uh, well, I should say quote-unquote Christian organizations, evangelical organizations that are being sucked up into this global religious belief system of ecumenism and interfaithism and um, but it's simply against the doctrines of the Bible. They say doctrines are divisive. that the folks, the doctrines of the Bible that God give us, this is God's word. There are religious, I, I, again, quote-unquote religious individuals that are saying these doctrines are divisive. Are, you got to be kidding me. These are the doctrines that are going to take us to heaven. But, a few excerpts I'm quoting here. They This document says, this global ethic, which will be celebrated by all these religions as the central document, the signature document of, of the Parliament of the World's Religions. It's telling you, here's what we're really trying to do. It says there already exist ancient guidelines for human behavior, which are found in the teachings of the religions of the world, which are the condition for a sustainable world order. Now, I didn't write this. Sounds prophetic, doesn't it? But I didn't write that. That's word for word out of this global ethic. Ah, oh, there's there's little tidbits of information and little teachings that can span all the religions and there there's kind of like a maybe a global ethic already in all the religions that would support a sustainable world order and that's the goal the bible says in revelation 13 11 through 15 the false prophet will use gather the religions of the world together and use that power and that influence to get them to worship and pledge allegiance to the world-governing body and the Antichrist. So, this right here says there's a, there is a, um, a belief system, there is there is a um, a emerging of these belief systems in all the religions of the world and in their teachings that really, which are a condition for a sustainable wor- uh, world order. Then it goes on to say, there's no gl- new global order without a new global ethic. We've got to have a new belief system. And they're talking to the religions of the world here, a global ethic. It says, after two world wars and the end of the Cold War, the collapse of fascism and Nazism, the shaking of the foundations of communism and colonialism, humanity has entered a new phase of its history. Today, we possess sufficient economic, cultural, spiritual resources to introduce a better global order. But old and new ethic, ethnic, national, social, economic and religious tensions threaten the peaceful building of a better world. It says, well, I'm hold right here. Wait do you hear this next part. Wow. It's exactly what I've been saying. Let's push all of these doctrines under the table. But what's the overall goal here? What's the thesis of this document? The world community, a sustainable world order, a global world order, a world government. That's what they're pushing here in this global ethic. But you say, hold on, this is the Parliament of World's Religion signature document. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools Available for $299 Will deepen your biblical understanding Don't miss this special offer Call 1-800-END-TIME Or go to endtime.com
1: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter When Irvin and I got married We didn't realize that our calling Would be a prophetic ministry Since we started End Time Ministries There have been many times We weren't sure how we would pay the bills But God has always provided We started with the magazine It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
0: You know, everybody, as I read through this document, it sounds like a document of, like a world government document, something they might put out uh, for their spin of the sustainable development goals or something like that, the socialistic blueprint of the United Nations to run the entire world and global, globally govern everybody. But no, this is the global ethic that's being celebrated at the Parliament of World's Religions. And they go on to say, this is a very, very key statement, We must sink our narrow differences. Now, they're talking about people that worship, that are Wiccans, which are witches, that worship, people that worship thousands of gods, people that worship the earth. And then there are people that are quote unquote Christians there. And they say, well, we must sink our narrow differences for the cause of the world community. They're trying to create a new world order. That's what they're trying to do. And they've got to get the religions of the world united in this effort. And it, um, so, we must sink our narrow differences for the cause of the world community, practicing a culture of solidarity and relatedness. So, wow, sink our narrow differences. Now, narrow differences. Well, narrow differences like what? Was Jesus God or was He not? Now, that's not a narrow difference, folks. You've got to believe and know who Jesus really is. He was God manifest in the flesh. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Him. But to the Parliament of the World's religions, that's not necessarily, you know, let's sink our narrow differences. Or, was Jesus the Messiah or was He not? Most religions don't believe that. So, how do you coexist? You ever seen them bumper stickers the weird coexist with the star and all this on it, and the cre- the Muslim crescent coexist. How do you do that when others don't even believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah or that He died, buried, and rose again? Was He crucified on the cross or was He not? I'm talking. They, they say these are narr- just; those are just narrow differences. Those aren't, folks. These are foundational to your belief system as a Christian. Or is Allah God, or is Jehovah God, or Brahma God? I mean, narrow differences is what they said in this global ethic. Why? So the internationalists can realize the dream of a world community and a one world government. This is the thinking that is driving interfaithism. You said, well, hold on a minute. I thought they just wanted peace in the world. Look at their global ethic. They're trying to, they want to gather all the religions together, sink our narrow differences for the cause of the world community, the international community, the world government. Remember, they're talking about a global order over and over and over throughout the document. Now, don't get caught up in this. Absolutely, you've got to know the Bible. This is why we push um, the Jerusalem Prophecy College so much. When we were in Israel this last time, we took a Uh, a photo up in the college of folks that had graduated from the Jerusalem Prophecy College. I love to just stare at that picture because these people, I'm telling you, talk about getting educated in the Word of God, knowing what you believe in the end time, and it's the absolute truth. That's of utmost importance. That's better advice than I could give you on anything else. Know the truth. You know, for years, I've told my Bible study students, uh, during this, and I do, Doug Norvell does, Chris Wilson, all the, everybody, all of us that teach Bible studies around here, that during our Bible studies, we want to prepare you mentally, physically, and spiritually for the times just ahead and then for eternity. This is the best way I could help you. This is better than any stock tip I could give you, better than any, um, you know a, a lead on a great piece of real estate or you know, what do you do with your money in the end time if I can help you prepare you mentally and physically for a, for the times just ahead and spiritually for eternity folks out 10 million years from now, you're going to walk up to me and shake my hand and say Dave, thank you for telling me the truth when a lot of people were moving away from the truth and pushing the doctrines under the rug. You guys taught the truth. This is the best thing I can do for you everyone. And, of course, in our Bible studies, um, we would then embark on a, a, a biblical, historical, and spiritual journey. And we educate them on things that they were never taught in high school and college. Uh, world government, world religion, um, end time, the end-time global numbering system, the mark of the beast, the Holy Roman Empire, the history and the prophesied future of Israel, the gospel of the kingdom of God, eternity with Jesus, these basic foundational principle doctrines of the Bible. Now, man, our time's going away on me. I mean, I don't really have time to go in some deep theological discourse on every one of these points, but let let me just provide a few practical ways of living and guidance to help you maneuver the times just ahead and to stay the course until we hear that trumpet sound someday and we're called home. It's very, very important. And because... Again, I, I'm reading all these articles on all these interfaith movements and people just gathering together and having these, uh, you know, dinners and all these things. But there are, I'm not going to call any names, but there are religious organizations that you would be shocked that are getting caught up into this. And I'm telling you, I'll just be honest with you. If I was in a church that was getting caught up in these interfaith movements, I would. I would leave. I'm just going to be honest with you. You say, well, that's not a a, a politically correct statement. I'm not really trying to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. That's the most important thing here. So, how can I help you prepare? Number one, you've got to be born again. When Nicodemus, I mean, the beginning of spiritual preparation for eternity. You've got to be born again. Uh, Jesus told Nicodemus, a man cannot see or enter the kingdom of God without being born again. Again, Jesus answered uh, and said unto him, this is John uh, in John 3, said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said back, well, ho- hold on a second. What are you talking about? I mean, how can I be born again? I'm an old guy. Do I have to enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I say unto you, except a man is born of the water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must. He didn't say, Nicodemus, why don't you, why don't you consider being born again? That's not what he said. Read John 3, 3 through 7. He said, Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. So, I, I, you know, I, I've really got this at the top of the list for a reason. I mean, we know there are apocalyptic events prophesied for the end time, instances where uh, one's life could be taken. Now, I'm not trying to sow fear. I'm just telling you, this is life. I, my, I could be taken on the way home in my truck. However, we also know the Lord could call any one of us home at any time. So, why wait? I mean, you know, the Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's uh, 2 Corinthians 6.2. And um, man, my time is just flying here. For a conclusive explanation of this biblical plan of salvation, being born again, you can call 1 800 363 8463 and ask for the free brochure, What Do You Mean Born Again? or go to slash reborn. It's all right there, free. Just read it. It's about a 10 minute read. So don't wait. There's no excuse. Be born again today. Then, you have to know and understand biblical truths. Could you name me, uh, how many truths did I go over, the doctrinal foundational things? Um, I don't know, maybe ten? Could you name me three of them? Think about it. John 8, 32. You say, well, how do I know about my church? Uh, if they're getting caught up in this interfaithism and ecumenism, and well, you know what do I do? How do I know? The Bible says, John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is why we push the Jerusalem Prophecy College. It's very inexpensive. You can go through that, and it'll take you from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Listen to me. I deal with all kinds of people. Everybody from a drug addict to a Catholic priest. I've dealt with everybody in between. Okay? Working here at the ministry, doing what we do. Everybody. And I have found that people, you would be shocked at the people you thought would know the Bible in and out. And they just, man, uh, they just got to be so biblically literate. And that's simply not the case. When you get below the surface knowledge, you can find out a lot of people are, are biblically illiterate. And so the Jerusalem Prophecy College is designed to bring you from spiritual, biblical infancy to spiritual maturity, very quick. The overall thesis of the Bible. How can I be saved? The, the one God. What's, what did God want to do? Why, what? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? What's my whole reason for existence? What? How? Am I, what's my relationship with my fellow man? How do I get a better relationship with God? All these things. People who don't know the truth, they're in bondage. And this is going to impede one's ability to fulfill God's purpose in your life throughout the end time. Uh, John five thirty nine. Bible says, "Search the scriptures, for in them they th- you think you have eternal life, but these are they that testify me." And you've got to you got to know your Bible. Wow, the Bible is the only book. There aren't even two books. Okay, now a, a lot of times when I get in a biblical discussion with somebody, they'll say, "Well, so and so wrote this," or this writer back in 1920 said this, or this writer said that. And I'm like, look, if we're going to have a conversation about prophecy or whatever, let's stick with the Word of God. Yeah, but, th- you know, this, this writer over here said such and such. I'm like, I, I, I don't doubt that he's a good person, or she. But, if you're going to try to pull me off what I believe you got to show me in the Bible. There's no self-help book. There's no religious book. Folks, we got to get back to the Word of God. This book is your roadmap to heaven. This is the only book that can reveal how many gods there are, one, that can share the story of that one God's redemptive plan for the human race, that can um, show you how to be saved, that can teach you how to live as a Christian once you're saved, Preparing You for Eternity. That can. This is the only book that can give you the knowledge and the confidence to teach and lead others to Christ. It's the only book that can um, tell you which church is true and which is false. You say, that, but my church has a sign out front that says church. Well, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but not every church that has a sign out front that says church is a true church. You need to make sure that you're going to a church that teaches the truth. You say, but well, whoa, well, Dave, you're stepping on my toes a little bit. Listen to me. I, I know what I'm talking about. And when you get into these end times, the Bible says there's going to be a false church that's established. And God's going to judge that entity before it's over with. Revelation 18:4, the Bible says, Come out of her, my people. There are people in all these churches that love God, they're doing their best to serve God, they're sincere but they were never taught some things that are in the Word of God because some of these religions now are moving off of this. Folks, there are people that are ordaining LGBTQ members in their pulpits. The Methodist church is splitting wide open because of this. I read the other day where there, are, there over the last year, there are 4,000 congregations have left the Methodist church because they're starting to ordain um, or to, to be sympathetic. And to maybe kind of um, allow uh, LGBTQ members to participate in their church services and different things. So people are breaking off of that because they realize it's not in the Word of God.
2: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Roberts. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming king out to the world. Call us at one 800 end to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner.
0: everyone, I am, we just want you to know the truth. That's the whole reason we're doing this. Um, you know, the Bible is such a precious book to, to many, but very few people know that the, even just the thesis of this book. The Bible's the only book that can provide prophecies written thousands of years ago, which are coming to pass right now. It's the only book, folks. I mean, in the end time, a working knowledge of the Bible is of utmost importance. Why? Well, it's biblical illiteracy that would allow someone to believe the false prophet's deceptive messages. The Bible talks over and over and over how he will use miracles and different things, demonic miracles, to deceive people but he's going to be a religious figure. And the Bible, biblical illiteracy, would allow somebody to fall prey to that and to pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and a world-governing system. If you know the Bible, you would never do that. You would never even contemplate doing that if you know what the Bible says. A great way to increase your knowledge so quickly is to enroll in a Jerusalem prophecy college. It's, It's super easy. Uh, go to www.jerusalemprophecycollege.com, register, and enroll in your first co- course. I mean, why would you wait? Get started on that today. Very important. I mean, you will be shocked. When you come out the other side of that, you will be shocked at how much you know about the Word of God. I mean, I've had pastors that have been to Bible college that said, Oh my goodness, Dave, that was Fabulous. Now, once once a person is born again, they become part of the body of Christ. You understand? Bible says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The church is the body of Christ. You're not isolated now. You're not somebody out there on your own. You get born again. Now you're part of this body of Christ, which is global. The Bible says, um, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all, Things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. That's uh, Ephesians 1 22 and 23. So Scripture teaches separation from the body or the church is spiritual suicide. Uh, if you go to Hebrews 10 25 through 26, the Bible says, not forsaking the assemblies of their, as the assembling of their selves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. We should be gathering together more, not less. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remaineth a sacrifice for sins. So, if at all possible, become a member of a good, truth-teaching, Bible-believing, preaching church. And, you know, it helps to be around others of like-minded faith, and it will strengthen you spiritually spiritually which is a must in the times just ahead. And then, one of the things that will help you on your spiritual journey, and this is very important, is you need to teach others. You don't need to just learn it for yourself. We're here to expand the kingdom of God as ambassadors for Jesus Christ in this earth. Well, how do you do that if you sit at home isolated? I don't want to talk to nobody. No, it don't work like that. Daniel eleven thirty two and thirty three. We put this uh, scripture on my father in law's tombstone because he talked about it so much. My mother in law and the do- and the girls decided to put this on her, and we had to. Uh, it says, "But the people that do know their during the time of the antichrist, the people that do know their go- their God shall be strong into exploits, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many." So during the end time, especially throughout the final seven years. Uh, that are preceding the second coming of Jesus, people understanding will teach others concerning the times they are living in. Now, if you don't know this word, the Word of God, you're going to be stuck. We're supposed to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ in the earth. But some people don't want to get into the book enough to where they can go teach it. And this will also help you navigate some of the, the, the ominous prophetic minefields that lay ahead. Um. You know, Bible prophecy, it's one of the most effective soul-winning tools that we have. It builds people's faith in the Bible, which is the only book that has the words to eternal life. And furthermore, just before the ascension, Jesus left us with a great commission, didn't he? He said, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Teaching them. To observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Not only are we supposed to prepare ourselves for eternity, but we're to expand the kingdom of God by helping others get ready to meet the Lord. We're never going to improve on the Lord's method of reaching people. Teach, baptize, and teach. That's what we're going to do. Evangelism is our marching orders from the Lord for the end time. a, A lot of people ask me at a prophecy conference or they may email me and, you know, say, well, I'm seeking for the Lord's will in my life. Well, I can tell you what God's will is for your life. Go and seek and save that which is lost. Be an evangelist. Teach Bible studies. Reach people. Expand the kingdom of God. Now, if He wants you to do something else along with that, great. But everybody who is born again... Now becomes an ambassador of Jesus Christ in the earth, and you're supposed to be going and teaching, winning souls, be an evangelist, and be a pastor, and be a, um, a p- apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a teacher. But your main goal, I'm I'm I'm, I'm building the kingdom of God. I'm teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and winning souls, building God's kingdom, and then I'm I also am this or I also am that our Great Commission, everybody. Now, what is another must to help us through the end time? you got to have a daily prayer life. Say, you want me to pray daily? I mean, I prayed over uh, the Thanksgiving turkey last year. What more do you want, Dave? <laughs> well, you need to have a daily prayer life, folks. It, it, I'll just say it, okay? It is customary for Muslims... To pray five times a day. You hear that. In, we go to Jerusalem and you hear that Muslim call to prayer go out. Screaming all over Jerusalem. They pray five times a day. And, it's, and Jews pray three times a day. Every day. However, I've heard of more than one pastor who had to basically twist arms to get some Christians to show up for a, a Tuesday night prayer meeting. Now, think about that. They say they're a Christian. They love God. And I want to go to heaven to be with Him forever. But you're asking me to talk to Him on a daily basis? Oh, Dave, you're stabbing me. No. You're supposed to pray daily, folks. The Bible, it's, the Bible talks about prayer, a daily prayer life. The, the Bible talks about your daily relationship with the Lord. Uh, you know, And I, I don't, really don't have the time here to go through all the Scriptures but I do want to share one. Jesus taught a parable about the um, fervent daily prayer. It's in Luke 18, through 8 He said, the Bible says, Then he spoke a parable unto them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Saying, there, is, there was a certain man, a certain, um, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God or regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, Get justice for me, for my adversary. There's this guy that's been bugging me or this lady, and oh, man, I just, I, I, you know, I, I need some help here. I need justice. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, look, though I don't fear God or regard man, yet because this widow is just, she troubles me, I'm going to avenge her at day after day. Now, Jesus is teaching this parable. Lest by her continual coming that she wearies me, then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, Jesus, folks, this is how Jesus wants us to pray, on a daily basis. In the end time, you'll also need to be a spirit-led Praying often enough in the Spirit that the Lord will begin to impress things on your mind, on your spirit. And this is how the Lord leads you by His Spirit. Uh, Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So, over the next several years, it is essential that you learn to be Spirit-led and it's impossible to be led by the Spirit as a Christian without a daily prayer life. If you're not talking to God... It's impossible to be spirit-led. And in the end time, you've got to place your hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I mean, we all, all face circumstances in, in our, our finite minds, simply cannot and will not be able to ever have a solution for. God puts those times in your life. Certainly anyone living as a Christian has experienced these situations. Um, the, the, there, there are times when uh, our only option will be to rely on Jesus to intervene. I mean, when it comes to a health crisis or a... Sometimes there's a financial crisis that you just... Are, you're in a bind. You have nobody to turn to and you say, God, help me. And I've had God supply financial needs. I've had Him heal my family. And I've seen great miracles. And this is one reason why a daily prayer life is so important. You say, do I have to pray 10 hours a day? No, no. Start off with just five minutes in the morning. God, I am so thankful that you allowed me to get up this morning. That my heart is beating. I'm breathing. I've got a job. I've got a loving wife. Uh, unless you ha- aren't married yet, whatever. I'm just saying, you, you, you've got a million reasons to thank God. I've got. I'll have breakfast today. I'll have a lunch. I'll have dinner. I've got a home. I've got. You know, whatever your situation is, you all have a million reasons. To thank God. Well, that's prayer. Prayer isn't some lighting candles and have a seance. No. It's simply a conversation. I can have a conversation with my wife over dinner, and it's awesome. Because I love my wife. And we can just talk and talk and talk. We've liked each other since she was 8 and I was 9. Believe it or not. And I still have things to say to her after all these years. Because we love each other. And that's the same way with God. All prayer is, listen, it's really easy. All prayer is, is a conversation with God. Lord, I love you. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome because of your blessings. And I thank you for that. Thank you for all the many blessings that you've given me. I love you. You're you're my best friend. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I mean, look at what I get to do. Look at all the people that I'm helping because I have your word in my heart. That's that's prayer, folks. It's easy. And it allows God to lead and guide us because eventually he'll start impressing things on your mind. Dave, I really want you to do this. No, I want you to go here and talk to this person. And it it allows us to lead and guide us by his spirit, which is of utmost importance now and throughout the times just ahead. So, folks. Don't go off of the doctrines of the Bible. It's of utmost importance. Know and understand your Bible because there are forces in the earth that are trying to pull us off of that and into these big interfaith and interfaith movements. And it's absolutely not something you're going to want to be a part of in the end time. God bless you all. We love you. And we'll see you back in here tomorrow.